Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. Hallelujah. Well, hi, my name is Caleb. I'm the senior leader of The Resting Place. If it's your first time, hello, bless you, welcome you. We also want to welcome our live stream family. Uh, you are with us. We bless you. Would you guys just give a hand for everyone watching by live stream? Come on, louder than that. Come on. Yeah. Some people need to do that right now, so we bless that. Amen? Amen? Because no less faithful to attend that way. We miss you, but we love you. So anyway, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here and for watching online. Uh, we have been in this amazing series on worship, and I get to take part three with you here today. Uh, Gigi started it a few weeks ago. If you didn't uh, listen to that, Pastor Gigi, you need to listen to that. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, it was just amazing about the heart of worship. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus actually has a, a, a reconciliation necessity ahead of worship. He puts our relationships with one another before our worship to him. And he said, if, you have, if you're at the altar and you remember a quarrel with a brother, go deal with that quarrel, right? We talked about that in length last week. I just want to catch you up a little bit uh, and invite you to go watch those things because they're really good, all right? First week was good. Second week was also good. Both speakers were great. You should go check it out. Anyway, today, I'm going to jump right into it because I, I want to use all of the time I can here. We're going to talk about true and proper worship. True and proper worship. Would you say those two words with me? Say true. Say proper. The only true and proper worship is actually has nothing to do with singing or playing an instrument or coming in this room together. Even though we do that, we come to worship. I love it. It's my favorite. I love being with you all. I look forward to Sunday every single week, you know, but the true and proper worship the Bible describes is actually you being a what? A living sacrifice, right? This is a very well-known passage, but I don't want us to be, again, like I always say, overly familiar. Disciple means learner. Say learner. That means if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be a learner. All right? We can't be those who have learned everything. We have to be those who have everything to learn. Amen? So I want to learn some things. I learned some things in the 9 a.m. because it came out of my mouth. I never heard it before. And I was like, that's the Lord. And I was like, I'm glad this is recorded. So today is a little bit different for me, okay? I don't have notes. I have scriptures on here. I don't have actual notes. So y'all are in for it. Uh, we're just going to swim around and see what we find, okay? So I'm just praying for the spirit of revelation to wash over each one, to, to speak to our hearts in deep ways. And would you even pray for that for your own heart? Say, Lord, speak to my heart. I need to know. I need, I need revelation. I need an unveiling of who you are and who you've called me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, yeah, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? This is out of Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 through 2, and this is the NIV. I love how the NIV puts this. It's beautiful. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, therefore, I urge you. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen? 
Amen. I want to just walk through this, okay? It says, therefore, I urge you. That means it's urgent. Say urgent. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of participation today. If you're new around here, I like a loud room. You can amen. You can repeat after me. It's all good. You can be alive during this sermon, okay? Urgent. He's urging them urgently. There's something urgent about this. And this has a lot of context. It's, you know, Romans 12, so there's chapters 1 through 11 all ahead of it. He's made this huge, beautiful case for how man without God is not good. We really need God. Without the influence of the Lord, we are very not, not nice. Very bad people, right? Anybody want to attest to that? Without Jesus, you're not cool, right? Yeah, me too, right? I need the Lord, amen? And so he makes this case for the, the foundation of faith put out by Abraham first, that he is the father of faith, and we also enter in by faith. And then once we enter into that faith, we actually are transformed, not just forgiven, but changed, all right? That we're actually set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over us. We're set free from sin. We're a slave of righteousness, a doulos. It's a love slave. It's one who chooses their master, Okay, and then it talks about in Romans 7 how the law never got us anywhere with God. We can't be right by doing right. It'll never happen. Romans 8 talks about life in the spirit. Romans 9 talks about the elect all the way through 10 and 11. Israel coming together. All of Israel will be, will be saved, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, therefore. You okay with that quick synopsis of 11 chapters of Romans? <laughs> it was a broad brush, but I think you got it. All right. Therefore, whenever it's therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. Right? There's a lot attached to this. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, this is critical. Say this with me. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is your true and proper worship. Let me help you. If it's not in view of God's mercy, it's not true or proper worship. If you are starting with the reasons you need mercy, if you're starting with your mistakes and singing a little louder because you messed up yesterday. Anybody ever done that? My hand is up. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Going for it a little more because you haven't been faithful all week. If you, I'll just say it this way. The man, much of the church starts in view of her mistakes. And offers their bodies as living sacrifice. That is not what it says. In view of God's, help me, mercy. In view of his mercy. If it's not in view of his mercy. If it's not in view of, oh man, I really deserve punishment and I got a kiss instead. If you're not in view of his mercy, you are not positioned to truly and properly worship him. A lot of the church is in view of God's wrath trying to, trying to worship him. And he's like, uh, I, I paid for that wrath. I, the wrath I had against sin, I took it on myself. Why are we talking about something that's paid for? All right. In view of God's mercy. Mercy, I love this example. The police officer pulls you over because you've been speeding. And mercy is you don't get a ticket. Okay, right? You don't get what you deserve. Grace is you get pulled over for speeding and the cop writes you a $1,000 check. That's grace. Seriously. Grace, grace is actually empowerment for godliness. Mercy is for your mistakes. Grace is for your godliness. So let's know what we're talking about here. Mercy is I deserved punishment and I didn't get it. I deserved judgment and I didn't get it. You understand? Oh, man, no. Okay. Yes, Lord. Okay. Sorry, I'm having a conversation in my head here. 
I was like, ooh, that would have been really good for when I'm not on live stream, but I don't care. I feel like it's the Lord, so. <laughs> you know, there is a judgment day coming, right? But your sins won't be judged. <laughs> Listen, Jesus said it. He said, now is the time for judgment. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Your sins have been judged. Did he pay for the sins of the church or for the sins of the world? Yeah, there's a judgment day coming. Yes, absolutely. But if you're in Christ and receive the forgiveness that he already paid, it's not for your sin. Your, your judgment day is reward time. It's reward day. It's when the medals get passed out. It's called the Bama seat. It's where they hand out the awards for running a race as though to win a prize. Hello? All right. In view of God's mercy... The only way you can worship the Lord properly is when you get a vision of his mercy. Of his mercy. God has been merciful to me. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. But I know about me even more. All right. God has been merciful to me. And when we're in that place of realizing and thanking God for his mercy, we're actually properly heart postured to give him the praise that he's, he's due. Right? When you're thinking about you and trying to praise him, it doesn't work. <laughs> Hello? But when you think about him, I'm not saying ignore the fact that, or ignore, you know, that you have problems or anything. No, this actually puts you in the right place to deal with your stuff. Okay? Because God has been so merciful to me. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be merciful again. His mercies are actually new every morning. Are you ready for a revelation on that verse? That word morning is the Hebrew word that means to seek. It's the Hebrew word that means every seeking. His mercies are new every time you seek them. You don't even have to wait till tomorrow, sister friend. You can seek them right now. Come on. His mercies are new. Check me, Facebook. The Hebrew word is to seek, all right? His mercies are new every time you seek them out. He's not like, it's 4 o'clock. I can't. It's, you got to wait till tomorrow, bro. The sun will come up. Tomorrow, and I'll be merciful again tomorrow. No, his mercies are new every time you seek them, every morning. That's good news. Come on. So in view of his mercy, not your mistakes, not his wrath, not his judgment, which already happened, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means live your life holy and pleasing to God. How many of you have tried to focus on the bad things you've done in order to be better? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have thought and been taught that that's actually how you do the right thing? You focus on the wrong thing. Don't do this. Don't do. Don't, 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 don't. No. It doesn't say that. It says in view of his mercy. It has to do with your mistakes, but it's not focused on them. It's focused on his mercy poured out. That's how you actually become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if your viewpoint, if your focal point, if the thing that you start with is anything less than God's mercy, it is not true and it is not proper worship. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. I'm not mad at you either. But you need to get this. We need to be people who have give God true and proper worship. I'm looking around the room, all right? I'm looking, I know the stories. I've been leading this church for three years, all right? I know your stories. I know your stories. I know he's been merciful to you. I know there's been more mercy than there has been mistakes. 
I know his mercy triumphs over judgment. You're shaking your heads. I know. I know your story. So you have no excuse other than to give him glory due to his mercy, not focusing on you. Self-centered worship. I didn't, I, I love this quote from Francis Chan. He was asked once, or he was told once uh, by a church member, Francis Chan, great speaker, uh, teacher, pastor, leader guy. Uh, he was told once by a church member, I didn't really like the worship today. And he responds, oh, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> but a lot of us subconsciously are thinking more about us than about him. We're like, oh man, look what happened. I did it again. It broke again. The thing happened again. There it is again. And I'm so sorry, Lord. I love you. I give myself to you. That's not true in proper worship. You forgave me again. Your mercy was new again. You loved me when I didn't deserve it again. Oh, I praise you. Do you hear the difference? Come on. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Well, you won't if you keep his mercy in view. Think about it. When you think about how he's been merciful to you, how he's brought you out of darkness, you won't do what the world is doing. You won't go into darkness because you're looking at his mercy that already brought you out of it. By the renewing of your mind, I promise you, you focus on his mercy, he'll work on your mind. Absolutely. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Did you notice that there's not a Bible scripture for every, like, situation you have at work? Did you notice? You know, there's not a Bible verse for every parenting moment. Come on. Come on. There's not a Bible verse for what to do when you're two and a half year old. Just, you just don't like them for an entire week. That's where I'm at. I love him, but I don't like him. You know, he's, he wakes me up every three hours. You know, it's just, are you okay? Are you, oh my gosh, he doesn't like his, it's, have one, then come and talk to me. All right. I love him to death, but man, it's tough raising another human being. It's exhausting. Right? You're right. It's just going to get gooder and gooder as he gets older and older. Right? Come on. You need to be able to discern his good, pleasing, and perfect will in every situation. Now, there's Bible principles. There's protocols. There's plenty of scripture for everyday life. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the Bible is inadequate. I'm saying the Bible is not meant for that purpose. The Bible is meant to introduce you to someone who you have a relationship with that you discern their heart towards things. We're going to look at a story where that happened. And I'm going to show you the original living sacrifice. The very first one in all of scripture. Principle of first mention, it's really important. When anything is, it's not really a first mention principle in this case, but it's an idea, that came, a concept that came first. It creates the filter. It, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Paul had this revelation and we're all gonna get it thousands of years later. He just didn't write it down. I, you can ask him when we get to heaven, you can ask him and he'll say, yeah, Caleb was right, all right? Because it's what he wrote points to this so specifically, even though it went without saying. So this is my submission to you. This is what's called a revelatory teaching. You need to discern for yourself what is yours and what isn't. Amen? Are you okay? All right. We're going to look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, because Isaac is the original living sacrifice. How many know the story, right? Isaac was offered to God as a sacrifice and lived to tell the tale. He's the original living sacrifice. Let's read it. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. Yes, I said 1 through 14. I like the Bible. 
It says, after these things, God tested Abraham. And just want to point out that God doesn't test you to find anything out. God already knows what you're going to do. I wonder what Abraham's going to do when I test him. No, all of God's tests are for you to find you out. Not for him to find you out. And I know what it says later, that, but listen, God knows what you, what's going on in your heart. Sometimes you don't. So he tests you so you can find you. Present awareness is required for forward progress. You got to know where you're at to know where you're going. Okay. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, scary. There's a voice saying, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I don't know about you. If I get that word from the Lord, I'm definitely calling it the pizza last night. You know what I'm saying? No way. That can't be God. That was me. Why would I think that? I don't know. Must be the devil. I'm not sure. Definitely not God. Yep. These are the wild, weird, and wonderful ways of Yahweh, just so you know. Okay? Stick with the story, because it's brutal, but it gets better. All right? So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, say the third day. I want you to think about that. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. The only way you can see is if you're a third day company, all right? You have to see from the third day. The third day people, the resurrected ones. You've been resurrected with him already. The only way you see anything is out of that grave, up with him, raised with him, seated with him. Amen? Come on. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, this is important, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He knows what God told him to do, but he declares, I and the boy will go worship and come again to you. That's faith. Hello? Romans talks about it and says, Abraham was confident that God is even able to raise from the dead. He speaks things into existence that are not. So Abraham was thinking, he's going to raise him. He's going to raise him from the dead. I know. Challenging stuff here. That, does, that doesn't sound like God. I don't like that part. Write it out of my Bible. No. It's, okay. Did you notice it says, he said to the two young men, which are the servants. So he has two servants with him. All right. Very common in that time to have servants. He said to his servants and his donkey, y'all stay here. We're going to go to worship. I'll tell you why. Because slaves and beasts of burden do not worship the Lord. They do not go up to worship. Only sons and daughters go up to worship. They can worship at the base of the mountain, but they can't worship at the top of the mountain. They can't worship in the high places. And so if your mentality is you're a slave, you're only a servant. I said only. Yes, we serve the Lord. But if you're only a servant, you're a measly slave of God. You never get to worship him in the high places. You'll never be able to worship him in the heavenly places. Many times I hear this in Christian people. Yeah, it bothers me so much. I'm just the donkey he rode in on. Donkeys don't go up to worship. You're not the beast of burden. He took your burden. Okay. 
You're one with him. You're to die for. He's, you're the reason he rode on that donkey. For the joy set before him. Right? He went to the cross. Slaves and donkeys stay at the foot of the mountain. And so you also in your worship will stay in the low places. If you consider yourself only a slave or a donkey. Hello? Is this helpful at all? Stop calling yourself what God, or stop telling God he's wrong, basically. I'll tell you. Listen, the highest form of arrogance is telling God he's wrong. Okay, that's the worst pride you could ever get into right there. God says, you're my son. No, I'm just a donkey you ride in on. God says, you're my daughter. No, I'm just your slave. No, you're just a prideful, arrogant person because you think God is wrong. Shall the vessel say to the potter, why did you make me this way? He made you a son or a daughter. Get over it. <laughs> Just get over it. Just come on. Well, that's focused on me. No, it's focused on what he did in view of his mercy. I was a wretch and now I'm, I'm a saint. I was lost and now I'm found. You have to have both. Don't look at the past to go forward. Look at his mercy. Come on. Okay. I'm read preaching now, so y'all are just in for it, okay? This is just whatever. <laughs> Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Get this picture. A son carried some wood up a mountain. Can you remember another son who carried a wooden cross to Calvary? This is speaking of Jesus. This is every page of your Bible is about Jesus, Every single page of your Bible is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Yeshua. It's all about him. This is a picture. A son carrying wood. A son did carry a piece of wood that he was sacrificed on. You understand? That's the materials for the altar. The cross became our, the altar that you and I were co-crucified with him on. Talking about looking at his mercy. He took the punishment that you deserve. The reason there's mercy for you is because he took the punishment that you deserved. So you will never get what you deserve. You only get what he deserves. When you say yes to him, you receive forgiveness. You become one with him. You get what Christ deserves. Like, oh, no, no, that's too much. Pride. Arrogance. Telling God he's wrong. You will never truly and properly worship him in a place of pride. I promise you. So important. And Abraham took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together, and Isaac. Oh, my gosh. I cannot imagine this moment. As Abraham, I cannot imagine this moment. <laughs> Isaac said to his father, Abraham, or Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Ooh. Nope. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. I understand bringing a sacrifice of praise is proper. I understand that. But you do not provide the sacrifice. Jesus is the only dying sacrifice. He died and rose again. You are not a dying sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice. Come on. I'm going to say it, that die daily garbage, that antichrist preaching that you might believe in this room, it's killing you. Literally, 
That's what it's meant to do. Okay? Not called to be a dying sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What does that mean? We're about to see a picture of it. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. You don't provide the atonement. Your prayer life, your worship, your whatever, fill in the blank, your devotion does not please God. He's pleased with you because the lamb has been provided. Come on. And in fact, he was always pleased with you. The lamb proved it. It wasn't like God was mad and then Jesus died and he got happy and loved everybody. No, God is love. He always has been, always will be. He loved us from the beginning. We didn't believe him. We fell. Oh, now I'm going to give you a whole synopsis of the Bible. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He's speaking through the prophets. He's trying to get us to the right place. The law tutored us to Christ. Christ came and said, I'm going to be the final word on what God is. I'm going to give you the final expression. Hebrews 1 says he is the exact representation of God. So I'm going to represent God one more time to all of you. One last time. God didn't start loving you because of Jesus. Jesus proved that God always loved you. That's the mercy of God. Hello? In fact, the Bible says he was slain before the foundation of the world. He had made provision before the fall. I know you're like, but uh, it's the year 2021. And yeah, God is outside, inside and beyond time. Just so you know. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. They're not talking. He's just doing it. And just imagine yourself as Isaac for a minute. Oh, my Lord, what is I should not have come on this trip. You know, like, you know, I mean, think about it. That's intense. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Thank God Abraham kept listening. I'm being a little funny, but a lot of us sacrifice the promise based on the altar of what God said. Instead of hearing what he's saying and partnering with that. Did you catch what I just said? A lot of us say, God told me, and sacrifice based on what God told you to do. But when you are in that moment, he was speaking a new thing. Have any of you ever followed the word of the Lord? Not quotes, but quotes. And it all went really bad and it got really messed up. Like bad, bad. Well, sometimes, yeah, some of you are not being honest. It's okay. The honest ones raise their hand. That's okay. Me too. <laughs> sometimes God says things because it's the only thing he can say to get us to the proper place to say the next thing. He needed Abraham on that mountain. He needed Isaac up there. That was the only way he was going to get them in that position. He speaks to position you, and then he speaks again. It doesn't make him a liar. It makes him God. He is sovereign. He's able to say whatever he wants. Come on. But I don't understand it. I don't care. If God could fit between your ears, he would 
be the size of that lump of meat in there, all right? Not all-powerful. I don't understand this. It might be God because <laughs> he's bigger than your understanding. We lean not on our own understanding. Hello? Wow. And Aram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his, thorn, his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Did you notice there was no other dialogue? I mean, I guess God could have spoke to Abraham some more and been like, yeah, take the ram and do it. He didn't, God didn't mention the ram. How did Abraham know what to do with the ram? He was able to discern what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will was. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Isaac was laid on the altar, but then he was rescued and replaced by the ram caught in the thicket. Jesus is the ram in the thicket. It's a picture of Christ. We also are called to lay our lives down, amen? But when we lay our lives down for God, we find we're not the ones that paid the price. We give ourselves to God only to find he's already given himself to us. We give our money to God and then we find out, oh, all my money is from God. We give our lives to God. We serve. We, we give a cup of cold water to a little one, which means you give it to Jesus, according to Jesus, right? You serve the least of these. That's serving Jesus. You give to him only to find out he already gave to you. And you get a better view of his mercy. This is true and proper worship. This is how we're to respond to the mercy. We live a life of laying down to find out we don't pay the price. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is, I feel like this is a deep revelation that we need to chew on for like the next 10 years, all right? We lay our lives down to find out we don't pay anything. And we lay our lives down again to find out we don't, are not the sacrifice. We lay our lives down and we get a better revelation of the one who was sacrificed for us. When you give your life away, you find the life he gave. You find his life in you. Ask anybody who consistently feeds the poor, goes to the down and the hurting, ask any of them if they have joy. They're going to say yes. Ask them if they have peace. They're going to say yes. Ask them if they're walking in righteousness. They're going to say yes. Because the whole kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy flows through this. His mercy is so great, I'm going to serve everyone around me. Isaac got off the altar and walked away. He got off the altar and walked away, and he lived his life. By the way, never leaving the promised land. A few things about Isaac. Never left the promised land, ever. Never. He was always in the promise. How? He's a living sacrifice. He knows the mercy of God. He was on that altar. He knows he deserves to be there, but he got replaced. Come on, you and I also got replaced on an altar of wood called the cross. And when we keep that in view, when we know nothing but Christ and him crucified, we love one another by default. It's when you forget the mercy of God that you start mis making mistakes and hurting your brother, your sister. It's when you ignore his mercy that you step into wretchedness. I promise you, next time you're tempted to do something wrong, literally, Imagine the cross, not because your sin put him there. That is an antichrist statement. 
He put himself there and paid for your sin. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly. You did not put him there. Stop singing those songs. Turn off the radio. Good night. Oh, I have problems with Christian radio. I do. Because a lot of it's not Christian. It's worldly. It's conforming to the thoughts and patterns of this world that you earn what you get. No, you get what he earned. It's all a gift. Your life is a gift. Take a deep breath. That's a gift because of his mercy 2,000 years ago. In view of God's mercy. Not your mistakes. We have to respond properly to this or else I'll say it strong. I don't care if we don't respond properly to this. We devalue the cross. We make it of no effect. The Bible says. Listen to Romans 12, one through two, one more time in the Passion Translation. Just puts it so beautifully. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Here's what it is to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. Say living just so I know you heard it. Living. You're supposed to have life and life abundantly, not death and death daily. Stop it. Stop. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. You know, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is not a buzzkill. He's literally the life of the party. Okay, he's literally the life of the party. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I promise you, hanging with Jesus is a good time. I can get down with Jesus all by myself and have a great time. Nobody even has to interrupt. In fact, I don't like it when people interrupt. All right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I see your faces. You've been there. You know. Experiencing all that delights his heart. You know what delights his heart? Loving one another. Blessing one another, being selfless, not selfish. You know, it's selfish to think about yourself all the time. Everybody's dealing with the self. The self was dealt with. <laughs> You're just being selfish. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. Like, I have less self because of Christ. In fact, I have none. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. <laughs> he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah, John said that, saying his ministry must increase and John's ministry must decrease. Stop quoting things that aren't meant for you. You're actually supposed to rise and arise and shine for your light has come and tell somebody about the marvelous mercy he's poured out on you. You're to be a witness and a testimony. And that means you got to be good at stuff. You got to be pleasing to the Lord. You know, stewarding your finances, your finances is pleasing to the Lord. Being broken and dead is not pleasing to the Lord. It's not spiritual to be poor or else he would not command us to help the poor. We're getting them out of their spirituality. Come on. What delights his heart? For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Your life becomes a genuine expression of worship. Believe me, I wish I had Gigi in my pocket all week long to sing songs while I deal with difficult things. I wish. I wish, but I don't. I mean, there's a couple recordings. You could use that, I guess. But I mean, I wish I could like... Pull the keyboard and her out and just like, you just do your thing right there. I got to deal with something. I need, I need to watch. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And if anyone would have that, it would be her boss who, so I don't get it. You don't get it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Only Jimmy. <laughs> Only her husband. Yeah. I don't even think that though. I mean, 
on demand? No, probably not. Anyway, your genuine expression of worship is living in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart because you are fully alive, knowing you once were lost, you now are found. You deserved the wrath of God, and you got a kiss instead. Okay, that's what it means to live in view of his mercy. And stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Some of us don't have a theology for a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Let me just say it this way. 99% of the church doesn't believe that's possible. I would wager 90% of this room has struggle thinking that you can live perfect in his eyes. But that's what the word says. Get over your thoughts. Like stop calling your brain God for a second. It says, what's going to happen? You'll desert his will. And you'll live a beautiful life. Who wants that? Okay, the ones who didn't raise your hand, I'll take yours. You don't want it, I'll take it. <laughs> satisfying, a satisfying life. Who wants that? Come on. And perfect in his eyes. Who wants that? Yeah, a lot of us are like, I want to do the right thing, but I can't, I never will. You're right, you can't and you never will. I want to do the right thing and I can because I'm able to discern his will for me. I've been given mercy. And I'm going to respond to his marvelous mercy. This is the protocol. Galatians 4 even says, and we are like Isaac, children of promise. You're supposed to be like Isaac, living in view of God's mercy. You got up off that altar. You are not the sacrifice. There was one who died for all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.